Morning. Always a privilege to can share the word of God. And this morning I'm looking forward to also share with you from God's word. And we pray that God will continue to just strengthen us through his word. Um, as we learn and we are fed by the word of God. Uh, just came back from Africa again, from Malawi, where we had a great time. And thank you for those who have prayer, pray, pray, prayed for us and those who support. We really appreciate every one of you. Uh, God is surely at work this very day. And we do experience Him doing wonderful things. And again, it was a wonderful trip just to be part of serving with God in His vineyard and see God at work. And so it's always a privilege. This morning, I'm going to share with you about Stick With The Basics. I think in everything in life, and when we just look at, at life in general, we, we always have certain you know, principles by which we have to live. There's, there's always practices by which we, have to, which we have to follow to can make sense in life. doesn't matter if it's at home or if it's at the workplace or in the marketplace. Wherever we will move in life, there's principles that, that keeps us sound, that keeps us uh, doing what is right in, in that circumstances. And, and if we step away from those basic principles that will enable us to be, you know, doing what is good and what is right, you know, we have chaos. And so right now in our world, we see a lot of chaos because people have moved away from principles. Uh, people no longer follow uh, just the statues of life and, and everyone is doing what is good in his own eyes. And, and we are seeing a lot of confusion and a lot of division in all aspects of life. Doesn't matter where you stand at what's going on in life right now, you'll find that there's division. There is no unity no longer. It's like, like nobody knows really what to follow and what to believe anymore. And, and it's become a crisis of life. And, and unfortunately, this is also very true in the Christian walk. In the Christian life, there is, there's principles by which we have to follow God. Each one cannot just do what is good in his own eyes. Uh, we saw that in the Old Testament happening again and again and again. And we saw the chaos that erupted among God's people because they were walking away from God's decrees. They walk away from God's expectations and, and they start doing what, what they thought was right. And, and every time that happened, it ended up in devastation. It, it ended up in, in all sorts of, of situations that, that brought condemnation upon the people of, of God. And, and so here we are there again today. Even what's going on in the world around us has brought chaos into the church. And even in the church, there is confusion. Even in the church, uh, people no longer stick together and and, and it has opened, of course, you know, an opportunity for all the people with, with their own mindsets and their own theories and their own ideologies to come step forward and become part of the confusion. And so, and so today we have to be so careful to what we listen, uh, who we follow, uh, where we find truth from, uh, even in church, even from a spiritual perspective. And this morning, when we go back to God's word, we find that, that it's all about principles. It's all about the basics. Uh, you know, God is ultimately sovereignly in control. And God ultimately have predestined how we should live the Christian life. When we became His children, when we became His followers, then there's no choice, no longer for us how to follow God. The only choice we have is to decide to follow Jesus or to deny Christ and go our own way. That's our choice. That's, that's the three choices we have as humankind to can decide if we will embrace the salvation God offers us in Christ Jesus, or we can reject it and we can follow our own ways. We can go our own paths. And of course, that again will lead to devastation. It will lead to condemnation in the long run 
if we step away from God's will. And so in Psalm 1, who would ever imagine that in, 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 a, in the beginning of the Psalms, that the psalmist, which was probably could be Solomon, uh, it doesn't really say who wrote the first psalm, but because of the likeness of, of Proverbs, you know, in how it's been uh, written, we would think this could be Solomon. And so in general, the expectation is that this is a psalm written by King Solomon. And so here again is a lot of wisdom on how do we then get back to the basics. How do we stick to the basics of God's expectation for us of believers? And, and what is the, the things that keeps us from following the basics that God wants for each one of us? And so he reminds us here that for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And so here in this psalm, he helps us to understand this remark, this strong remark of helping us to understand that, you know, once we become children of God, once we have joined the kingdom of God, once we have become strangers to this world, foreigners to this world, aliens to this world, and we have embraced the kingdom of God, and we have become children of God, and now following our Lord and Master in His purposes and His plans for our lives, then there is an onslaught that's going to come our way. There is difficulties that we're going to face. There is an enemy out there. There is a battle that is real, and we have to be prepared to walk according to the basics of God's expectation in order to can be the righteous man of God. And so let's read Psalm 1. It's not a very long psalm, and so we're quickly going to read the whole psalm. Blessed is, is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaves does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And so here we find basically three basics that we have to stick to. Only three basics that he spells out for us to say, if we would live according to these basics, then life would be prosperous in Christ Jesus. Then our ways will be good, and we will experience in God's blessings. He starts with the first one by saying, the base, firstly, basically we must stick to righteous behavior. We have to live according to the righteous expectation of God. Blessed is the man. Who is this man that he talks about? It is the man that he sounded out in verse 6 where he said, this is the righteous man. This is the man that will walk by God's ways. This is the man that will live blameless and holy before God according to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. God chose us to become his people that will walk blameless and holy before him. That's the righteous man. It's, it's a plural form, this word blessed. It means it's not just a blessing that God wants to bestow upon us, but God wants to bestow all His heavenly blessings upon us. God wants to enrich us as His children. He is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He doesn't only owe the thousand cattle on the hill. He owns the hills as well. 
And so this is the God who wants to enrich us in, in the eternal, in the, in the spiritual, in, in what will last. He's not wasting his time on the temporary, although God is our provider who gives us food. Who gives us clothes to wear. Who gives us a roof over our head. And he does take care of us in every aspect. But that's not the focus of God. That's not what God sees when you look at the righteous man. When God looks at the righteous man. And he's desirous to prosper us. Prosper us in every way. Then it is spiritually that God wants to uplift us. And help us to become a people that will live blameless and holy. According to his expectations. Um, it, God blessed us by, by choosing us, by, by stepping into history and sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross to make a way for us to come become the elect of God. This is only through Christ, it's only through the cross that man can be reconciled with God. And so God stepped into history when he saw man could not do anything good for himself. Man was only destroying himself through his ways and his plan. God made a plan a plan that cost him the life of his only begotten son to come and die on the cross, take our sins upon him and, and die in our place so that we can have life in him. God raised him on the third day and that same new resurrected life is what God now offers us in Christ Jesus, the day when we are born in Christ in new life. And, and, and that day when it happened, we know we are the elect of God. We know that day when I've accepted Jesus Christ that I've become part of that chosen ones, the ones that God in Christ through the cross has chosen to become His children. But not only did He choose us, He adopted us. He made us a family. He made us His children. He, he, he justified us in Christ. He took away our guilt. He placed our guilt on Christ and Christ satisfied the wrath of God concerning our sin and He now forgives us our sin in Christ Jesus. And then He filled us with His Holy Spirit. And through the indwelling of His Holy Spirit, He imputed on us the righteousness of Christ Jesus. And so when God looked at us now, He sees us as righteous. He sees us as those who are able to can walk according to His basic way. Those who can righteously behave in all aspects of life. Those who can live blameless and holy before God. So God has made us right with Him. So that we can live a righteous life before Him. The blessedness is for everyone. God included everyone. For God so loved the world when He sent Jesus Christ. He didn't just love some of us. He didn't just send Jesus for some of us. No, God elect all of us in Christ Jesus. And now we have to respond to God choosing us by repenting of our sin and put our faith in Christ Jesus and accept Him to be the way of how we can live as a righteous man in the sight of God. And so this is for everyone. It is for the poor. Jesus reached out to Lazarus. Not only did He look at the rich but he looked beyond the reach and he saw Lazarus. He looked at the forgotten. Those that nobody no longer cared for. For 37 years, the man at Bethesda was forgotten. But Jesus stopped and reached out to him. He looked at the obscure. That Zacchaeus was hated by everybody. People would want to stone him to death as a tax collector who was cheating them and deceiving them through taking more than what was 
was necessary. But yet Jesus saw him hiding in a tree and bring life to him. It is the ones who are outcasts. The Pharisees, the scribes, the, the religious leaders of the day is ready to stone the adulterous woman to death. But Jesus made a way where she could become a blessed woman in Him. Someone who can be restored to righteousness. And so this righteousness that God has in mind for us is for each one of us. Not one of us is excluded. Doesn't matter how broken your life is. Doesn't matter how messed up your life is. Doesn't matter how far you have fallen away from the glory of God. Doesn't matter how far you have walked away from God's word and His expectations. God still wants to bring you to be a righteous man, blessed in His sight, for living according to His expectations. And so the psalmist warns us here of behavior that will move the righteous away from this. So there is a battle. This is not just something that happens and then automatically it just seems to go well. While we still here in the flesh, while we still have the enemy, the, the, the enemy Satan, who is constantly trying to deceive us, we have the world, the evil world, the evil system, the corrupt system of this world that constantly challenges us in our beliefs, in our hopes. And then there is our flesh. Most probably our biggest enemy is, our, is ourselves. We're still battling within ourselves to make peace with God that we, we have died in Christ. And we no longer live. But it's Christ who now lives in us. And too many times we still draw back to the death. And we still go back to our old lives. And we still want to act and think and follow according to the way of our flesh. But the blessed man, the man who walks righteous before God, will battle against these forces. But in Christ we have victory over them. But here the psalmist wants us to, to realize that this is real. This is not something we can ignore. Listen what he says here. He says, do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Well, this means that the ungodly has a counsel. <laughs> they definitely have a counsel. A counsel that the righteous man should not follow. But there is a counsel. It means they know what they believe. They know what they think. And we must not think the way they think, but we must think as the righteous in a different way. Many falls at this point. It's easy to listen to advice. It's easy to listen to human ideas. It's so easy to get bombarded by theories and ideologies from people who think they know better than even God. Today we find that. You can just switch on the television and start watching all these television Preachers, and that doesn't include all of them, but, but a large number of them. And you, you don't have to listen very long to realize that their focus is not on the eternal, but their focus is on what they can gain here on earth. What, what religion can help them to benefit for the temporary. And very little of what they are concerned is about the eternal life, about what will continue beyond us, the things that really concerns God. And we open our minds to these people. We so easily grab and listen to them, their propaganda, their disinformation, and we just follow these ideas without recognizing that God ultimately has already enabled us to know what His way is, what His righteous 
plan for every one of us is. And so we have to recognize that these people have a stand. They, they're not just nobodies. They're not just people who don't care or don't work very hard to bring forth what their claims are and what their desires are. And so we as believers must not talk in their counsel. And that's how they drag us in. They entice us by, by preaching what tingles our ears, which, which help us to make it easy to, to sort of give us an alternative for the expectations of God. And it's so easy to fall for it because it takes so much responsibility away from us. It, it, it's so easy for us to have an excuse. It's so easy for us to have an argument because we're listening to these false prophets, to these people who claim to be men of God, who claim to preach the word of God. But in reality, they abuse the word of God for their own purposes. One of the biggest onslaughts in our days today is the onslaught of aim it and claim it and you'll have it. The prosperity teaching of our days. One of the biggest lies from the devil that is entered into the church and that's destroying the church. I wish you guys can be with me in Africa to, to really see the impact of this. You know, here in a civilized world, we sort of act about it civilized. But when you go into a place where people are living more uneducated and with less fortunate opportunities, you'll find that all these things has no end. There's no stop to it. I mean, you'll find a, a, a man of God who preached for thousands and he will take his cell phone and he will phone God in heaven and he will speak to God in heaven and he will ask God, what should he tell this woman that is kneeling here before him on the floor? And then he will tell, oh, yes, yes, Lord, you are right. This is, this is Sarah. Yes, it's Sarah who stands here. And the people are cheering and, they and the crowd goes crazy because of this deceit. This is where you find pastors who are carried on chairs up in the air by three other people while they're sitting on a couch because they, they have to preach in the, in the air because the battle is in the air. The battle is not on, 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 the, on the ground. And so they have to be in the air. And then this man of God knows so little about the word that he becomes more powerful than God himself. He actually kills the demons. He actually, in the name of Jesus, tells the demons to die. Which, because we know publicly, cannot be true because the demons have been made the angels, fallen angels who will live for eternity. But this is what's going on in the church of today. It's about if you will just give, then, you know, God is like a casino machine. You know, if you put in hundreds, you can expect thousand back. You know, because this is God, you know, and, and he owes everything. And, and you should just give and try to outgive God and see if you can do that because God will give more than what you can give. And, and they get the poor to become even poorer because of false religion, because of false prophecies, because of false teachings. And I can go on with this for most probably an hour, uh, just giving you one example of the other one after the others that, that's taking place in the church of Jesus Christ. We must be careful not to listen to these people. So the first basic expectation that we must stick to as believers is to make sure that we are behaving righteously by listening to the righteous one and only open our ears to him and only walk with him and not with the counsel of the wicked. The second thing he says here, do not stand in the way of the sinners. So not only do they have a counsel, they actually have a way. They have a path. The righteous does not walk on the same path as the unrighteous. We cannot align ourselves with them and walk in the same direction. 
God's way is a different way. God's way is not our way. God's way is not the way of the, of the sinners, of the unrighteous. Yes, sin becomes habitual. This is where we start embracing sin. This is where we, we're okay with sin. This is where we start justifying sin. We no longer hate sin, but we sort of embrace it as part of life. You know, uh, you know, we're just all sinners, you know. We're just all sinners saved by the grace of God. You know what? When you got saved, God removed that label. And he put the label on there that say, you are mine. You are my child. You are my holy child. You are my righteous child. You are no longer a sinner. You were a sinner. But you've died. That sinner is dead. He received a new nature. He received a sinless nature. We sin is no longer his habit. Sin is no longer by which he chooses to live life where he stands. But he hates sin with the same passion that God hates sin. We cannot behave like sinners who willfully violate God's commandments and still claim to love him. To be a blessed man, we must be careful not only to whom we listen, but to whom we follow. Who are we following? Who do we listen to? And then a third time he said, Do not sit in the seat of the mockers. Wow, these people even have a seat. That means they have an assembly. That means they have a position. They have a stronghold. They are a power. A conviction, yes, that will lead to damnation, but still it's an ideology to which they hold firm. They even have names for these things. They call themselves prophets and apostles and all these titles and all these powers and all these garbage that comes with the titles and the power to try and impress the church. Some of them call themselves enlightened. We've been enlightened. For 2,000 years the church didn't understand the Bible, but man, we are the people. We know the Bible now. We can preach you the Bible. For 2,000 years, everybody else was, was useless and had no idea what the Bible was. But man, in 2021, we can teach you the Bible. Because we have been enlightened. We have received power from the Spirit. I wonder which Spirit is at work. Because the Spirit of God will never speak in contradiction to the Word of God. Never. Not even one sentence or one word will He speak in contradiction to God's Word. Because He's God. He's God Himself. Who is the truth. And so. The ridic- these people ridicule God. They make. They bring blasphemy upon the name of God. In the name of God. They ridicule God at all times. And the Bible say their end. Is doom. They will not stand at judgment. But they will be condemned. Some. Verse 5 and 6 says here. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Psalm 9 verse 5 says that these people's names will be blotted out forever and ever. James 1 verse 13 says, But each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin, and when it is full grown, it gives birth to death. See, this is the way of the wicked. This is when we start sitting with them. Then they come and they grab us and they deceive us. And then they take us on a journey that will eventually lead to death. And so James is warning us. He said, don't be 
deceived, my dear brother. Stick to the basics. Don't let the enemy take you away from the basics. But stick to the basics. Romans 3 verse 23 is still as clear today as it was 2,000 years ago. The wages of sin is still there. And if we embrace sin, then we embrace death. And the consequence of sin is still there. There is a way that seems right to man. But in the end, it will lead to death. Proverbs 14 verse 12. In absolute contrast, the righteous man and the ungodly man are different in how they think, how they behave, and to whom they belong. We cannot walk with the unrighteous. We cannot stand with the unrighteous. We must behave in a Christ-like manner, blameless and holy before God. To do what is right is righteous, just as He, Jesus Christ, is righteous. 1 John 3, verse 7. It is to belong to Christ, to find your identity in Christ, to find your strength and your power and your abilities in Christ Jesus, and to be seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Not seated with the unrighteous in their seat here on earth. And then there's a second basic that we have to stick to. It's lawful obedience. Listen to verse 2. But his delight, this is the righteous man. Remember we're talking about the blessed man. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. So where will we find our joy? We will find our joy in the law of the Lord. This is the whole counsel of God. It is a relationship. The law of God is not a do so and don't do so. The law of God is written in our, on our hearts. The law of God is dwelling in us as children of God. The Holy Spirit is God's law present with us. He is the one that teaches us. He is the one that guides us. He is the one that shows us the way of the Lord. He is the one that helps us to see the path of the, of the righteous. It is a delight, a great pleasure for us to can be in the word of God. It's not a duty, but it's something that excites us. It's not something that we need to beg people to be involved in, but it's Part of an intimacy, a relationship of intimacy. Blessed man meditates on God's law. It means he fills his mind with it. He sits in the presence of God and allows God to teach him the way of the Lord. He does not just read the word, but he gets fed by the word. He gets instructed by the word. He became obedient to the word and he became fruitful in Christ Jesus to the word of God. So we're not just hearers, James says, but we have become doers of the word. Psalm 119 verse 1 and 2 say, For us, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His statutes and seek Him with all their heart. They do not wrong, but follow His way. See, we cannot stand on both ways we cannot have one foot in the in the earth and one uh, in the world and one foot in heaven we have to decide to be the righteous of god to stick on the path of god to walk according to doing what is right and not what is wrong 1 john 2 verse 4 to 6 say i know him 
Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. So how do we become complete in Christ Jesus? How do his love become the very force of our lives? How is it his life that compels us to stand up for Christ even if they will crucify us, even if they will stone us, even if they will cast us out, even if they will blaspheme us, then we will stand out for the sake of Christ because of his love that has become complete in us. How does his love become complete in us? By us obeying his word. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to love in him must love as Jesus did. You see, Jesus is our example. Jesus is the way by which we must live as the righteous man, as the blessed man, as the one who will prosper in the ways of the God. How often should we do this? Well, day and night. Not twice a day. Not five minutes in the morning and five minutes at night. But day and night. He says, we should meditate on the law of God, on the decrees of God, on the word of God, on the expectation of God. That means when I'm at the workplace, then I must act and I must think and I must do what I do according to the law of God. Regardless of the expectation of the world, regardless of what the world would want me to do, I have to, as a child of God, as those who have died for this world and are now alive in Christ, who are the righteous, who are the blessed man, I should still dwell by the law of God that is written in my heart. When I'm at home, when I deal with my children, when I deal with my husband, my wife, then at that moment I should meditate on the law of God and allow the ways of God to direct and guide me in how should I act. When I'm at school, then I should not let the teachers bombard me with unscriptural and biblical ideas, but I should remain focused on what God's Word teaches us. And we should be able to stand up for the truth that even is written in the hearts of our children who have given their lives to Christ Jesus. The ungodly will, however, only consider his own counsel, and he would consistently try to guide us away from God's counsel to his counsel. By the righteous, we must stand with Christ in his statutes and his degrees at all times. We must stick to the basics. This is God's basic. This is his revealed basic. The wonderful news is that that is now written in our hearts. It's not only a written word, but it's written in our hearts. We have him in us who would lead us to all righteousness, who will convict us of all sin and will show us the just justice of God in all circumstances. Then there's a three basic we have to stick to. And that is to our rooted purpose. We have a rooted purpose. Listen to this. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaves does not wither, whatever it does prosper. We have a rooted purpose. The first thing we must realize here is that we are planted. We are not a tree by mistake. We're not a tree just by chance. We are a tree planted by God for His purpose at His rivers. So when we are in Christ Jesus, then we're not a wild tree. But we are a chosen tree. Considered as property of God, cultivated by Him, secured by Him against all terrible onslaughts that might come our way. 
Matthew 15 verse 13 say, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. So if God has not planted us, then the enemy will get to us. If God didn't plant us next to his rivers, then the enemy will unroot us. The enemy will get to us. The enemy will make us to be like chaff. It will make our leaves to wither. Yet it says here that us who are planted by God at the streams of God's water will yield fruit and whose leaves will not wither, but they will always prosper. And so in Christ Jesus, we have not only a river, only the cross, but once we have come through the cross and we've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, then we have the mercy of God which is new to us every day. We have the pardon of God who forgives us again and again and again, the amazing grace of God that even when I'm as a, as a child of God, take my eyes off Jesus, step away from the basics, and I do sin, then I can come back to Him and He is faithful and just to forgive me and to restore me to righteousness. He purifies me, but He also restores me back to righteousness as His child. And so we have His pardon, we have His grace that is so amazing. We have His promises that is flowing through our lives in all circumstances. We have the communion of Christ and of one another that embraces us, that becomes like rivers that flows into our lives when we are challenged by life and when things become difficult. When we are broken and when we struggle, then these rivers of God is flowing eternally into our lives and restore us and build us and keep us and make us to prosper in God's way. The purpose is to bear fruit in season. The purpose is that God wants to use us, that God wants to shine His light through us, that God wants to reach to the world through us. John 15 verse 1 to 2 say, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that it will be even more fruitful, that it will prosper tenfold at me in Christ Jesus. To prosper us through every situation we face in life. He wants to give us victory over all situations and causes us. To live according to his purpose, in his peace, in his abundant joy, and in his will in all of our lives. For the ungodly, he said, they are like chaff. Listen to the next verse. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The ungodly are worthless. They are dead, unserviceable, without substance easily carry away there's no fruit or there is the wrong fruit but when we are rooted with Christ then we share in the workmanship of his hands second Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 10 says that God who has chosen us has predestined for us before our salvation already by the workmanship of his own hands what our purposes will be for him while living here on earth. And so we are seated with Christ in heaven. And whatever we find in the victory of Christ in heaven is the same victory that we experience with us when we walk here on earth on behalf of our master who have sent us to be ambassadors for him 
here on earth. God entrusted us with what is most important to him, the message of reconciliation. And God made us responsible. He empowered us by his Holy Spirit. He enabled us for giving us the necessary gifts by the Holy Spirit so that we can encourage each other, that we can grow together in the fullness of Christ and so that we together as the church of Jesus can step into this world and be a tree that never withers in its leaves but always bears fruit for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. The fruit of the gospel, the fruit of life, the fruit of rescuing people from the condemnation that waits on those who turn their backs on God. Interesting is that Jesus teaches exactly the same message in Matthew's chapter 7. In chapter 7 of Matthew's, Jesus is like a soundboard of teaching to us exactly how to stick to the basics. And what is this basics? He sort of again points us to these basics that we just learned. The fact that we must behave righteously. The fact that we must do what is right in the sight of God. The fact that we must obediently follow the law of God that's written in our hearts in all circumstances. The fact that we are rooted by God for a purpose. We are not here for no reason. We are here. It would have been so better for us to be in heaven. But God kept us here for a purpose. And our focus must be, our basics must be to stick to that purpose that God gave into our lives. But here in Matthew 7 from verse 13, it says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enters through it. It's, it's unbelievable that, that God even tells us that, you know, to find this narrow way doesn't seem to be easy. To walk in the basics of God's expectations is not easy. Because there's a huge onslaught that comes against us. He said, But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few found it. Watch out for false prophets. They came to you in sheep clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruits you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons? And perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly. You know plainly means. There's no room for argument. Plainly means it's not that you're going to sit down. And, but, 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 but Lord let me just give you my case. Let me just, let me just defend myself. Come on Lord you, you are a righteous God. You are a fair God. Just give me an opportunity to also speak my heart. And just, just share to you. You know what is my struggle. And what is my problem. Now he says. And on that day then I will tell them plainly. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Away from me, you evildoers. And so Jesus is teaching the same lesson. Jesus say, you know, you, you have to live 
and behave righteously. You, you have to behave according to who you are. You cannot claim to be my child. You cannot claim to be part of my church. You cannot claim to be saved by a new birth in Christ Jesus where you've died for the old life and everything has become new and you are now indwelt and sealed by my Holy Spirit where I took ownership of you and then you want to bear bad fruit. It doesn't work that way. You have to behave according to who you are. You are a good tree. God in Christ made you righteous and therefore your fruit should be fruit of righteousness. But also he says that we must be careful that in our midst is these false prophets. They come from our midst. Some of the apostles call them the Antichrist in our midst. The other call them just false prophets. But they are in our midst. They call themselves also to be the church. They also claim to be men of God. But when you look at their fruit, then you see that they are not obedient to God's law. They're not obedient to God's word. Their fruit shows that they are not the real thing. But then, we have to bear what we have been purposed to bear. If we are rooted in Christ Jesus, if we truly are rooted and planted by God next to His rivers of life, then the fruit we should bear is life. Then life should be seen. We should be recognized. We should be known by God. And the question this morning is not, do you know God? The question this morning is, does God know you? Does God know you by the name he chose for you that is written in the book of life? It is God who know, needs to know us. He already made for us the way. There is for us an easy way. A way where in Christ Jesus, through the good news, we can surrender our lives to him. And we can accept the fact that Jesus died for us on the cross to make a way for us that we can have life that we can find truth, that we can become righteous. We have to acknowledge that, yes, he was buried, he paid the price. Our sins are covered by his blood. All we have to do is repent of them and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've been such a jerk. I'm sorry that I've turned my back on you. I'm sorry that I didn't follow your ways. And Lord, I believe that Jesus paid the price. I believe that Jesus did it for me. And yes, I am the sinner, but Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I'm surrendering my life to you. I surrender to you that you can take me and renew me through the resurrection of the death into new life where you can plant me next to your rivers so that I can bear the fruit, the everlasting fruit of my rooted purpose in you. There is hope. There is a way. God is inviting you to turn His way to put your trust in Him, to change your destiny today, to change it forever. Because what God offers us in Christ is not temporary, but it's an eternal change that God will bring into our lives. If we are the blessed man, then we better stick to the basics. Then we better come back to the basics so that we can be living blameless and holy before again. So that we can be bearing the fruit that God intended for us to, to, to bear. To be living according to our rooted purpose. So that the world who are lost and on their way 
to an eternal hell without Christ Jesus can be saved while there's still time. There should be an urgency in our hearts. There should be an urgency for us to reach out to these people who are still blinded by the wicked, who are still blinded by sitting at the wrong council, by standing with the wrong enemy, by walking on the wrong journey of life. We have the answer. God entrusted it unto us. This is our purpose. Our purpose for which He empowered us with the Holy Spirit is that we can be witnesses for Jesus Christ. It is not a choice. It is what we have become. And to be the righteous man of God, to be blessed and to prosper, we must witness for Jesus. We must reach out to those people who are still burdened, those people who are still forgotten, those people who are still outcast, those people who are broken through the sins of this life, those people who are lonely, those people who have been abused, those people who have been disregarded as not important. It's so important for God that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them. And God entrusted it to me and you to rescue them in Christ from what is waiting on them if they will not turn to Jesus. Destruction, death, eternal hell. If we will come back to the basics, then God can use us again as the righteous men of God, the righteous women of God. But then we must stick to the basics. We must walk with Christ live, acting and behaving in righteousness. Be blameless and holy before Him. We must stand with Jesus. We must stand on His word. We must stand on His truth. And we must obey His law that dwells in our hearts. We must be seated with Christ. Not here on earth, but in heaven. So that from heaven... Our purpose can become reality here on earth for the sake of those who are still lost and without Christ on their way to hell. My God this morning use his word to bring us, the blessed man of God, who have lost our blessing because we have walked away from the basics. To return to the basics today. And say Lord. I have failed. But this morning I surrender. Afresh to say Lord. I want to get back to the basics. I want to stick with the basics. And if you are maybe. One of those who have not even entered. The race yet. Who are still just. Going nowhere. Things still doesn't make sense. In this morning, God wants to bring you out of that wrong council, that wrong place where you are walking and where you're standing and where you might even have become seated with the enemy to embrace his lies and his deceit. Then God this morning wants to pull you out of that and bring you into his glorious light and give you eternal life and enable you to now be rooted in Christ Jesus for God's purpose. To walk with him in righteousness. To stand before God blameless and holy. And to live in obedience to God's word. Because it's known to us. We know his ways. We know his plans. 
we know his will and therefore we can follow him. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is a direction for our paths to walk. Thank you, Lord, that your word is the light for our paths to walk. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can this morning just be reminded to stick to the base. And so, Lord, this morning I pray that through your Holy Spirit you will just work in the hearts of those present. And those even on television that are just watching or on Facebook or on their phones, whatever it is, Lord, that you will also, through your Holy Spirit, just speak into their hearts and direct their hearts. Just, just show them how special they are in your sight. That you don't pass the forsaken, that you don't pass the forgotten, that you don't pass the broken, that you don't pass by to those in need, that you stop because you care and you love to such an extent that through the cross you want to rescue them and bring them into your glorious new life. And so, Father, I pray that you will move those who don't know you to say, Lord and Savior, but also that you will move your children who have gone away from the basics, who have stopped listening to the unrighteous, listening to the wicked, listen to the sea, listen to the false prophets, and maybe not even just listen, but start following some of their ideas. And maybe some even have been con- come so confused that they even start embracing some of those ideologies, some of those corrupted thoughts. That's not your truth. That's not your rooted path. That have found themselves now seated with these mockers. I pray, Lord, that you will just take that blindness away this morning and open their eyes and let them see again how simple it is, how easy it is, how, how easy your way is for us to follow and that they will return to you this morning and that they will come back to the basics and that you will just afresh restore them to righteousness in the blood and in the power of Jesus Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll be standing here. If anyone wants to pray with me, you're welcome. Otherwise, you can just pray there where you are, between you and God. And let God just touch your heart and enlighten your heart this morning. Amen.